Amen, everybody. You may be seated. So glad you're here. We're going to do a little something special today. Uh, I'm going to have our greeters come forward with some extra bulletins, some sermon notes. Oh, there you go. And some pens. Uh, if you don't have your, your sermon notes or your pen today, and you, well, I, I've got some notes. I'm going to let you take some notes today. I got some stuff in here. So uh, raise your hand if you need a sermon note, if you need a, a, a bulletin or a pen, and they'll just hand it out as they go back. Because today we're, we're, um, we're, we're finishing up our Holy Spirit series. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I have about seven more sermons to preach in this series, okay? But, um, but I'm going to put them all in this one sermon today. All seven sermons I'm going to preach right now, right here today, okay? So you need to take notes because we're going to move fast. we got a lot, lot to cover, all right? So I, I want to start today with a question, and I'm going to ask you to confess something. Now, this might be hard for some of you to confess, okay? might be difficult for you to confess, but I'm going to ask you to make an open confession today. All right, and here's the confession. How many of you would admit in your heart of hearts that you have trouble clapping on the beat? Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. Okay, all right, good, good. I was going to say, we know you're out there because we can hear you, all right? Um, it's not always easy. To, that's okay. You, Lord says make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be on the beat. Um, sometimes it's hard to stay on beat. Sometimes it's hard... In fact, in the military, when somebody joins the military, one of the very first things they do to teach them in boot camp is to march, march to the cadence. You know, all the songs, Sergeant, Sergeant, turn in blue, whatever, whatever. I don't know what, we don't know what the next line is. We don't want to know what the next line is. But, but, but they're trying to teach them to stay in step with what's going on, trying to stay in the rhythm, stay in the beat with what is happening. I don't know if any of you have ever seen a step team Anybody ever seen a step team? So a step team is, is amazing. When you see, it's usually like, I'm going to get a step team to come to One Family Church at some point and do a step. I really am. A step team does like, they do this sort of rhythmic performance, and it's stomp and clap and smack and slap and click. And, and it's amazing to watch, especially, you know, a lot of times it's young people, like teenagers or sometimes college students. But when you see it, it's just amazing because they're all in perfect synchronicity with each other. They're all in perfect step. They're all, and when they're really good, I mean, it's very, very sharp, very disciplined. And, and, and it's amazing to watch because you, you're watching it going, there's something beautiful about being in sync about being on the beat, about being in rhythm with what is going on around you. And today, I want to finish off this series with one of my very favorite scriptures about the Holy Spirit. Because the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, here's what he says. He says, since we live by the Spirit, he says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, so I want you to watch this for a minute. Since we live by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit is in us and around us and with us and we are living in the spirit we're already at the spirit is at work in us and we are involved with the life of the spirit since that is happening let us keep in step with the spirit let us keep in step so i'm going to preach for a few minutes today on the topic in step with the spirit in step with the spirit now before i dive into this i want to make something really, really clear. Uh, normally, I, I, I tell people, I only preach, the, usually, I try to preach one point, like one idea, just one thing, 
Because people just, they'll, people will only just remember one thing. If you do a, a you know, a five-point sermon, they're not going to remember any of the points. If you preach a one-point sermon, they'll remember that, right? Um, but, but I'm going to break all the rules today because I'm going to preach a seven-point sermon, all right? I'm sorry. Thanks, Robert. Robert one, another, another preacher in the congregation is like, yeah, let's, let's see where this goes. Um, because there's this reality about the Spirit that I want us to not get confused about. Uh, because what can happen a lot of times in a religious life, in a spiritual life, is we think that keeping in step with the Spirit is what is going to keep us in God's good grace or that we will then be a good uh, child of God or that, that uh, it is through our religious discipline, it is through our religious practice that we, that we actually have a relationship with God. But that's not what that verse says. It says, since we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, keeping in step with the Spirit is a process. It's about a process. It's not about a position. All right? It's about a process, not about a position. Let me explain this. Your position in Christ is already settled. All right? This might, this might be the only point you take away today. And that's, this is the best point, by the way. It just goes downhill from here. This is the very best point. All right? Your position is already settled. It was done for you by Jesus on the cross. When you received him, your position has been established and it has been settled. That's why the Apostles Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, since we're already there, now let us keep in step with the Spirit. So what he's saying is, your position is settled and now there's a process to get your activity aligned with your identity. There's a process by which we step into who we really are. Let me put it this way. Did you catch that? Who we really are. You're already who you really are in Christ. And now we're just trying to catch up with who we really are. You're not trying to become somebody in Christ. You're already somebody in Christ. And now we're just trying to walk out who you already are. I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, my father used to always say, he would say, hey, man, you know, if I did something wrong. And so we had this conversation fairly frequently. He said, he would say, he would say, Brent, he would say, you're a Rome, and Romes don't do that, okay? Or you're a Rome, and this is what Romes do. What he was saying is, this is your identity. Now I want your activity to catch up with your identity. It was never a question of, if you do this, you're not a Rome. You are a Rome. That's who you are. That's your position. Now I want to instill some ideas to get you into a process where you progress into your position. Anybody with me this morning? All right, I told you we're going to move fast. Look at this scripture uh, about, about your position. It said, God made him who had no sin to be sin. So Jesus already, Jesus changed his position from no sin to sin. Whose sin did he take on? Yours, mine, right? He took it on so that in him, we might be the righteousness of God. This is your position, the righteousness of God. But we're not always acting like our position. And there's a process for us to get from where we are in our activity to where God says we are in our identity. Are you following with me today? So, so bef before we can say anything else about these seven essential principles to walking in the Spirit, you got to know this, and that is that your position is established. We're just talking about the process that happens after the position, okay? Because it, it actually really matters that you know this. Because if you're straining for a position, then you're going to... You're not going to reach the position that you're trying to reach, okay, because you can't do that. But you're also going to be straining unnecessarily because you're trying to accomplish something that's already been accomplished by somebody other than you, all right? So it's about 
your, it's about a process. We're in a process. It's not about your position. That's been done. All right. So you say, then how then do I, how then do I work this out? If I, if, if, if I need to get rid of some of this stuff that doesn't align with the righteousness of God, if I'm trying to eradicate some things out of my life or establish some things in my life that are, that are either not aligned or are aligned with the righteousness of God, how do I do that? This is part of the process. This is part about taking a step in the Spirit, about staying in step with the Spirit. And, and here's what I want you to get from this. This is point number two. If you want to grow it, you got to own it. If you want to grow it, you've got to own it. Let me explain what that means. You ever watch a basketball game when somebody gets a foul called on them? You, know, you notice what the basketball players do? They, they go like this. They raise their hands. They used to do this more. They do it less now. You know, now they go, wait, no. But, but, but it used to be that whenever you got a foul called on you as a kid in basketball, some of you guys basketball players know this, it was your job to raise your hand to report to the officials, the people keeping track, that so they could see your number, so they could say number, 20, you know, number 27 committed that foul. And it was basically your way of saying, that was me. That's on me. That foul was on me. My bad, right? And what they're doing is they're owning it. They're owning it. If we want to get rid of some stuff in our life, if we want to transition towards a deeper in-step, in-sync with the Holy Spirit, and there's stuff in our life that isn't in-sync with the Holy Spirit, somebody, then we've got to own it if we want to grow it. We are, we are very, very good at deflecting, justifying, rationalizing, explaining. Is anybody with me? Right? You could just nod for the person next to you because you know, you know they do that. Uh, we're good at this, and I'm going to tell you why we do this. The reason we do this is because we're afraid that if we own it, we're going to lose our position. Okay? That's why I said the first point is so important. Your position's done. If you already know it's done, if you already know you are the righteousness of God, then it's okay to admit that you've got some stuff in you that needs to be taken out. Because you don't have to worry about not being the righteousness of God. That's done. So you can say, all right, my bad. I'm going to work on this. If you want to grow it, you've got to own it. If you want to change anything in your life, you've got to own it completely, wholly, and unequivocally. That's mine. I own that. Because only then, that's why my kids, if, if they admit what they did, they get in a lot less trouble than if they try to, you know, get around it. Well, but I thought that, no, no, no. No, no, you didn't think that. I know what you did, right? Right? Because what I want them to do is own it so they can grow out of it. They can grow it. James, Jesus' brother James, said it like this. He says, if we confess our sins, right, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, why? So that you may be healed. So this is, this is how we stay in step with the Spirit. We stay in step with the Spirit by noticing when we are not aligned with the Spirit. By noticing that when we are out of step with the Spirit. So that we can get in step with the Spirit. You, you with me? If we understand that we're out of step, that's the only way that we can get back in step. The problem with people who don't, who, who don't clap to the beat is a lot of times they don't know they're not clapping to the beat. Okay? We were at a concert this week, my wife and I. And uh, the, there was a girl sitting in front of us. She was feeling the music, but she wasn't feeling the beat. She was like, she was just moving, but it wasn't, right? But she didn't know that. And it's okay. I'm not going to tell her, hey, you gotta, it's got to be like, you know. You know? Um, but a lot of times it, it, in our life, we've got to own it, somebody, if we want to grow it. Okay? All right. Third one is this, is this. Don't forget you're in a fight. Don't forget 
Don't forget that you're in a fight. When you're in a spiritual walk, when you're trying to get in step with the Spirit, it is, it's a battle. And if you forget you're in a battle, you will get sideswiped. You will get sucker punched so fast, and you won't know what happened to you. You'll be like, why am I, why am I f- totally flailing on the floor right now? Right? The reason is because you, didn't, you forgot you were in a fight. There's a, there was a great fight. It was actually the day before our church launched. It was September uh, September. 17th 2011 between Floyd Mayweather and a guy named Victor Ortiz and then some of you may remember this fight there was this fight and 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 it was the fourth round of this fight and there was a break in the action because Victor Ortiz headbutted Mayweather long story you don't need to know all the details it's okay you can go back on YouTube it's all there and 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 so there was a break in the fight and then the referee brought the fighters back together okay but Victor Ortiz kind of forgot for a minute that he was in a fight he got a little bit distracted, and he was kind of had his hands down. He was kind of looking over at the ref like this. Some of you guys know this story. So Floyd Mayweather just left right, bing, bing, and Victor Ortiz was out. I mean, completely out. I mean, fight was over, knocked out. And a lot of people had this big debate afterwards. Wait, some people were like, well, wait, that was a sucker punch. That was, that was a cheap shot. And other people said, well, wait a minute, Victor Ortiz was, you know, the, the last command that the referee gives you every time, every fight. Protect yourself at all times. You guys have heard the referee say this. So, so some people are saying that was a sucker punch. Other people are saying, no, Victor Ortiz was not protecting himself like he should have. So what's the answer? The answer is yes. Yes, both. It was kind of a sucker punch, right? I mean, Floyd Mayweather knew that Victor Ortiz was not ready to, to, to fight, and so he took advantage of that, okay? Bing, bing. Victor Ortiz didn't have his hands up. He didn't obey the command to protect yourself at all times. Let me tell you this. If you don't think the enemy of your soul will take advantage and sucker punch you when you don't, when you are not protected and you don't, and you forget you're in a fight, then you will be stretched out like Victor Ortiz on the floor, right? Because, because he's not trying to fight fair, all right? So it's our job to remember that we're in a fight. Every, every decision that you make as a follower of Jesus is a decision of conflict, Okay, because every decision is either a decision out of the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit or keeping in step with the flesh, one or the other. Every decision that you make, every moral decision that you make as a follower of Jesus is a contested decision. Scripture actually says the spirit and the flesh are in conflict. So you're either going to walk in the spirit, in which case you're going to be in conflict with the flesh, meaning the sin nature in your heart, or you're going to walk in the flesh and you're going to be in conflict with the spirit. Either way, you're in a fight. All right? This is why the Apostle Paul says this to remind us. He says, for our struggle, okay, which means there's a struggle. He's not saying some of you may experience a struggle. No, no, no. You're in a struggle. This is a fight. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, meaning people are not your problem. You hear me? Your, your husband is not your problem. Your wife is not your problem. Your boss is not your problem. Your kids is not, are not your problem. That's not the problem. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, meaning there's a spiritual battle going on that you don't always see, but it is happening. It's happening with every decision you make, every step you take, right? Every move you make, he would would be watching you, all right? Therefore, (laughs) that's two weeks in a row that the 80s just took over in in the middle of a sermon. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. 
Don't forget you're in a fight, somebody. Don't forget that there's a struggle that, that, that you are in, that I am in. This is part of what it means to be a Christian. Don't get lax in the foxhole, right? You are in a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. The, the, if you don't realize, let me put it this way. Let me see if I can say this right. If you think you're not in a fight, that's actually a tactic of the flesh, right? Because you go, oh, everything's going fine. Like, I'm not struggling. I'm not trying to avoid evil. You're not, you're not noticing the fight because you've acquiesced to the flesh. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will then prick your heart and go, hey, man, this is something you need to work on. Again, not to change your position, right, but to help you progress through a process to keep in step with the Spirit. Somebody with me this morning? All right. Sermon number, where are we at? Sermon number four. Pray with your ears open. Pray with your ears open. Pray with your ears open. How many of you guys have a friend who is a monologuer? Anybody got a friend who's a monologuer? If it's the person next to you, just give me one of these. Just a nod. There it is. Okay. I got you. A monologuer, you know, is, is not a dialoguer. Okay. A monologuer is somebody who riffs, and they just talk, and then the hour passes, and then you're like, well, it's great talk. I mean, it was great hearing you. You know what I mean? It's like, great. I have a friend. He knows he's a monologuer, and, and that's one step better than just being a, a straight monologuer. If you know you're a monologuer, then that's a step in the right direction, because he'll say this. He'll say, and he said this to me. He said, listen, man, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? That's what he says right? He's a monologuer, right? Here's what, here's what, here's what, if you want to stay in step with the Spirit, pray with your ears open, because the Spirit doesn't just, the word prayer in the Scripture implies shared mutual wishes. You're saying, God, I need this, I want this, help me with this, but then you need to stop, because the Holy Spirit will then speak back into your heart, and put impressions into your heart and your mind, the way He speaks to you, that will, that will draw you into who he wants you to be. They, and, and here's how you'll know. Because they always align with the word of God. They always edify God. And they also generally are of service to somebody else. Right? Here's how Jesus talked about the spirit and the way the spirit speaks to us. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he's talking to his disciples, he will guide you into all truth. So that means you need to be able to hear him. If you can't hear the guide then you're going to get off the path. If you can't hear the drumbeat, you're going to get out of step. Somebody with me? He said he's going to guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. The Spirit's going to speak what he hears. What does the Spirit hear? Next slide, he says, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So what, what Jesus is saying here is if you want to hear from me, be still. Be still and let the Spirit speak to you in prayer. Let the Spirit move you. Let the Spirit work in your heart. Let the Spirit make impressions upon your heart and upon your life because He will guide you, but you've got to pray with your ears open. You've got to pray. I, I think some of us here, and I know this is true, a lot of us here today, we're, we have this experience of praying, and, then, and, then, and, and by praying I mean talking to God, and then just, and then just we're done, closing. You know, last song, altar call, we're out, right? And we don't spend time receiving, listening to him, abiding in him, soaking in him. And then we don't recognize 
you know, we, we can't understand why he's not answering our prayers. And he's like, I'm trying to answer your prayers. And he's trying to get it in. He's trying to say it. But we've already checked out. So if you're trying to hear from the Lord today, let, let, me, just, let me just encourage you. Just after you pray, just be still for a while. Just say, speak to me, Lord. Let me hear your voice. He's not gonna, he, he might not blast a trumpet in your ear, but he's going he's gonna to guide you into all truth like the scripture says. All right? Sermon number five. You ready? If you want to step in the spirit, be a river, not a swamp, somebody. Be a river, not a swamp. I'm going to make sure you remember these points. I'm going to just make them fun. Um, my wife and I were at the Dead Sea uh, when we went to Israel recently, a couple, couple months ago. And uh, we were at the Dead Sea, and it's such a strange place because, first of all, you know how many fish there are in the Dead Sea? Zero. Zero fish in the Dead Sea. You know, you, you know how many birds there are that live around the Dead Sea? None, right? Like on the Dead Sea. You know how much plant life exists in the Dead Sea? None. Yeah. That's why they call it the Dead Sea because every, everything is everything's dead. You know why it's dead? Because the Dead Sea is the lowest point on the planet. So all of the water that flows into the Dead Sea stays in the Dead Sea. It doesn't flow out of the Dead Sea. It flows in, it doesn't flow out. It flows in, but it doesn't flow out, right? So if you want to experience the scriptural application, the spiritual application is, if you want to be in step with the Spirit, don't just take it in. Let it come through you and let it flow out of you to somebody else. You want to, you want to really grow in mercy? Experience Christ's mercy and then extend Christ's mercy. You want to grow in patience? Receive Christ's patience and extend Christ's patience to somebody else. Receive God's love and then extend God's love to somebody else. If you just receive it, it, it you, you become a swamp. You just become, and, and there are a lot of people who will receive and then not get, but this applies to everything. This applies to every aspect of your life. Anything you want to grow, give it. If you want to grow it, give it, right? It, it, receive it and then let it flow out. Jesus put it like this. He said, out of their bellies, whoever believes in me, out of their bellies will, fr- will flow rivers of living water. And you go, well, wait a minute. Out, they, rivers of living water will flow from them? How does, how does that work? What is he talking about? What is he actually saying there? And then I love John because he just tells you. He says, by this he means the Spirit. This is what he means. He's saying, let, let the Spirit flow in right? And flow out. In everything that you do, in your, in your service, in your generosity, in your kindness, in your relationship, in your love. Is this helpful to somebody today? Don't just let it, don't just soak it in. Let it flow, let it flow into you, then let it flow out of you. Because that is how we stay in step with the Spirit. How do we do this? How do we let it flow? I'm going to give you a three-point sermon in my sixth point, which is this. Ready? Eat Exert rest. That's why I told you to take the notes today. See, you're going you're gonna to be chewing on this all week. Um, eat, exert, rest. Uh, is Stephen Simmons here or is he coming in the second service? Steph, second service, okay. Um, Stephen Simmons has a, he's a, you'll see him. He looks, he is built. This dude is built. And, and he has a, a, a company called Concord Balance. It's a, it's a nutrition and workout and, you know, uh, all this kind of training, all this kind of stuff. And he would tell you that for you to to be physically healthy, you need to consume the right stuff. Then you need to exert, right, or exercise the, the, the nutrition that you received. And then for your muscles to actually develop, you gotta you gotta put them to sleep. You gotta rest. You gotta let them take a nap. 
right? But any, if any of those three are missing, then you will not be a healthy person. If you stop eating, you, you wither away. If you eat but don't exert, you will not wither away. You will be unwithered. You will be <laughs> witherless. Um, you will <laughs> grow. And so, but then if you, but, but, but if you don't rest, then you, you, can't, you cannot develop a healthy, you know, you'll just burn out. You just can't develop a healthy body. It's the same way with our spirit. We need to consume, the scripture calls it, the bread of life, the word of God, right? Sc- preaching and scripture. We need to eat good nutrition, spiritual nutrition. Then we need to exercise it, right? Which means we need to serve other people. We need to let it flow back out of us. We need to actually put into practice that, tw- that which we consume. And, some, and sometimes, actually, the scripture says, if you say you have faith but you have not works, it's, it's dead, right? So he says you got you to gotta consume it. You need to exert it. And then you also, guys, especially as we're entering summer, this is something we talked about at staff meeting this week. There's got to be a period of rest. There's got to be some times where you just, we, we're, we're starting to call it seasonal serving. Seasonal serving. Where you're serving, and then when you're getting burnt out on serving, take a rest. Just be cool. Just rest so that you can be revitalized, right? Jesus said it like this. Here's how he put it. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you rest, right? I'm going to let you rest. I'm going to give you an opportunity to just receive. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some, some calmness because that's how you grow. I, you need that to be healthy. If you're not sleeping well, you just, you know how it throws you off? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm vigilant about sleep. I got the earplugs. I got the eye mask. Don't even, don't even try. When I'm sleeping, it's out. It's lights out because you need that rest. You need it in your spirit. And the seventh sermon that I'm preaching today, and we did this on time, is, is take joy in the journey. Take joy in the journey while you're doing this, you guys. The, the reason you can take joy in the journey is because it's, it's about a process. It's not about a position. It's about, it's about growing. It's about staying in step with who you really are. It's about actually becoming more and more who you really are. It, it's not about trying to become something that you're not. Do you hear me? You're the righteousness of God, and you're already there. It's just now we're just trying to catch up with who we already are. If, if when we take our kids on a road trip, if we waited until we got to the destination to enjoy it, man, we wouldn't even be able to enjoy it when we got there, right? Because, because you know, we got a lot of kids in the car, a lot of people back there. And so you've got to learn to enjoy it while it's happening. You've got to learn to enjoy the process. In fact, Apostle Paul says, like, I, I take joy even in my suffering. I take joy all the time because I already know what the end result is. That allows me to have joy even when things are hard. It's not that I enjoy hard things. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, but I have a profound sense of hope and joy even in the midst of difficulty because I know what the result is. Because I'm firmly confident and established in my position, and I know that I'm just in a process right now. I'm just trying to keep in step with the Spirit because I'm already living in the Spirit. Last verse for you. Here it is. It says this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may, look, I love this, overflow. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I, I, I pray to God that this series about the Holy Spirit has not been weird or kooky or strange, and it's, it, it's just been 
It's been, it's been life-giving. Because that's what the Spirit is. Remember at the very first Sunday, we talked about the Spirit being called the Ruach of God. The breath of God who blows life into you. Who breathes into you. The Holy Spirit wants to do that in you today. He wants to give you life and give you joy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. To flow in the Spirit. And I think some of us today as we close, some of you, I know that you are exerting yourself. In fact, let me put it like this. Some of the, some of the people who struggle the most are the people who are trying the hardest. And I, I don't, I don't, as a pastor, I rarely see people who just go, eh, I don't care about anything. I really just don't care that much. And even if they do that, it's because they have tried so hard and failed because they were struggling for a position. They didn't realize they were in a process and they can't reach the position they were trying to reach. So they become disenchanted and disappointed and they quit and they say they don't care. But I know they really do. And I know you do. And the Holy Spirit is saying, look, I'm with you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's the paraclete, meaning he's beside you. He's with you. He's guiding you. He's leading you. He wants you to, he wants you to stay in step. He wants you to walk this thing out, not so that you can be somebody you're not, but because you already are that. And he wants you to catch up with your identity. So you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live under shame and guilt and condemnation. You can just walk this thing out. You can just walk this thing out. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to close with this. Would you all stand with me? I'm going to close. I'm going to have you do something with me. You know that song that goes, it goes, uh, it goes, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Okay. Okay, pause that now. Ready? Here's what we're going to do. Keep playing that. Here's what I want you to do. Ready? You're going to do this. Ready? Come on. Watch your neighbor if you're struggling. yourself a hand. That was just amazing. Let's pray. Father, we just, we come before you today and we are grateful that you have transformed us, changed us. You've made us your own. You've made us the righteousness of God by Jesus taking our sin upon him. God, I pray that each and every one of us now would begin to keep in step with the spirit. Since we live in the spirit, Help us to keep in step. Help us to stay in sync with the Spirit. Help us to walk this thing out in the way that you want us to. Help us to grow in you, God, so that we can do the things you've called us to do, 
be the people that you've made us to be and reach the folks that you've called us to reach, to pursue the vision and the mission that you've called us to, God. Father, I just pray that each and every one of us today, the guilt, the shame of religion would be lifted off of us and that we would just begin to walk in the Spirit since we live in the Spirit. Father, we pray this to your praise, to your honor, to your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, everybody. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.